Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aware Podcast. In this global podcast, Nikki and Sarah, your hosts, chat to inspirational guests who have all had a breakthrough moment in either life, leadership or business. We share our adventures as we talk through the moments, courage, laughter and insight. A big thank you to all our listeners and we hope that you're going to enjoy Season 2 as much as you did Season 1. Don't forget rate, review, subscribe and share to keep us moving forward. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome uh, today to Aware's podcast. We're very excited to have Mark Thomas, who is a police sergeant with the Victorian Police and the founder of Code 9 joining us. Mark, thanks for taking the time to be with us today and share your passion and a little bit about your journey because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about everything that's close to your heart. Yes, thanks for having me. Very, um, very pleased to be here. Mark, one of the, um, for our listeners, we met Mark as we meet many of our guests, incidentally, and we were listening to Mark talk at a Ray Chamberlain um, meeting, which is all about mental health. And, you know, one of the things was how brutally honest and raw you were with your own journey. And I just wondered whether you'd be comfortable just to talk a little bit about the career as a someone in the police force and the amount of stress and trauma that is ongoing daily, the catalyst that happened and what eventuated after that, which is your amazing charity called Code 9. So you, you can tell us as much or as little as you like about that particular part of your life, but just so our listeners understand the battle that you had to overcome the stress and trauma that being in the force can happen. 
Yeah, so I, I, uh, I'm just entering my 26th year as a member of Victoria Police and probably for the first nearly seven years I was mentally healthy. I went to a lot of trauma incidents and various you know, fatal accidents, drug overdoses, suicides, etc. Which is, you know, that, that's the job of police, that's what we do. But that all changed on, it was the 8th of April 2003 when I went to a, a certain type of suicide. I don't generally go into the details of it, but there was something very different on this day. Um, I can still recall it and remember it like in forensic detail and my response to seeing the deceased and uh, in the days after that can really only be described as an epic failure on uh, on my behalf. Granted, at that stage, this is in 2003, I was extremely naive to mental health and incredibly uneducated. So I didn't do anything about it. And all the messaging now that it's okay to not be okay and if you're not feeling right, go and speak to a GP or a psychologist, that messaging wasn't around then. So I just basically let it sit. And over the course of the next 10 years, basically, um, my resilience was eroded away from that day. My self-worth was wiped out. And in mid-February 2013, it all come to a head and I had a what my first treating psychiatrist said, a catastrophic loss of self. Basically, everything had been stripped away from me. I was just a shell. Uh, I was a person, I was yeah. living, breathing, the, the heart was beating and all of that, but as a person, I was just, I was a shell. I was hospitalised that night for nearly two weeks, diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety. And it, it was, when I was first diagnosed sitting in that office at, at the clinic, it was like a lot of things make a whole lot of sense now because you know, then I subsequently learned all these incidents that I'd been going to and my body was feeling a certain way. That was, I was having anxiety attacks and the numbness I felt was disassociation and then I started to learn what depression was and it was a very, and this is where it gets a little bit hard to explain because I kind of contradict each other, it was a completely fascinating experience to go through. Not one that I recommend obviously, but on the same time completely frightening. When tomorrow is black and well not even tomorrow, when uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in front of you is black, you, you just yeah. you can't see anything, you can't envision anything, you're, you have no self-worth and look probably the most, mm. one of the most vivid memories I have is that uh, I felt myself, I thought I'd already bottomed out to use that, that terminology and couldn't feel any worse. But it was a Friday night and I felt myself slipping further down the rabbit hole as I call it. And I got a real lesson in what the brain is capable of. And one of the single most powerful emotions I've ever felt is I know why people suicide. Because it is just not sustainable to live in such incredible mental pain. And fortunately for me, I haven't gone back to that depth of darkness, to use those words. But yeah, to go from a fully functioning person to someone who I had to get the nurse one night in hospital to choose the chicken or the beef for me for tea because I, I just could not make that decision. It was causing mm. me to have an anxiety attack. So yeah. that fateful day in 2003, April 8, 10 years later, completely flattened me and it, and it took 10 years mm. to do it. I was just thinking that you know, for 10 years, you're spiralling really slowly mm. downward and not knowing yeah. the signs that intervention yep. needed. 
you know, 10 years of living like that, of slowly losing your sense of self. It's a really long time, isn't it? And it often takes that catalyst moment to realise I'm really not doing well. And and that's post-diagnosis and probably a good six or eight weeks after I got out of hospital. I'd had some really good treatment. I went through exposure therapy, prolonged exposure. I I reacted really well to that, so I'm starting to recover pretty well. And I sat there and I listed, there was 22 different things that I was either doing that I didn't normally do or didn't normally do that I was doing. And, and yeah. just for an example, I was pre-hospitalization. When I'd use a towel, a hand towel out of the shower, drying me towel, big towel, whatever, the towel had to be aligned completely square with a tag at the front. And if I mm. didn't do that, my wife would die mm-hmm. the next day in a car accident. Yeah. And it wasn't a maybe, she would. Yeah. I was absolutely convinced of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now look at the towels off the floor are tongue up as far as I'm concerned, which you know, <laughs> much, much to my wife's disdain. But, but on the same token, it is a really good trigger point for me to go, if I start thinking, if I don't square this up, something bad's going to happen, then I know I'm starting to go yeah. back downhill again. So it's a, it's a good trigger point for me to, to yeah. look out for. But then I, I still look back in amazement that my brain could act in such a way and give me such powerful thoughts, and I was absolute belief. Mm-hmm. And like I'm just one of millions of people that think yeah. like this, so or did thought like that. But now yeah. you know there are people out there. It, it really is the brain's way of trying to make sense of a world that has become completely chaotic so there's nothing I can do about the world but what I can do is now zero in on creating structure a nice neat towel makes me feel calm and then of course it puts the fear factor on which in the force is a lot about death and being harmed and you can see the correlation between that obsessive thinking and the actions that's a really horrible story in terms of Loss of quality of life, loss of sense of self, uh, you know, the impact on your family. But unfortunately, the truth is there are many, many, many stories of particularly as we're talking today of the police force of um, the members being like that. Absolutely. And is that the inspiration for COVID? Yeah, and look, I'm very much a person that every negative, no matter how big the negative is, there's always some significant positives you can take out of that. And I, I look at my journey and if that didn't happen in 2003, then so many other things would not have happened. So... I'm thankful for my journey. Uh, Again, I don't recommend anyone going on it. But look, that has exposed me to just some incredible people that that I now count as people in my tribe. And I've learnt so much from them. And then a couple other people, and I'll particularly choose out Rob and Ben, who helped. We were sitting around one night. We used to have group catch-up. So, sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit. So when I was in, sitting in hospital, I felt just intensely alone. And I'm thinking, no one could possibly know what I'm going through, mm. which obviously at that stage was just complete and utter rubbish. Mm. But my brain was not in such a way that I could make that correlation. So I thought, when I get out, I'm going to start a little support group for, for coppers. So if people are newly diagnosed or struggling, we can say, hey, yeah. mate, I've actually been in your shoes. I know what it's like. So just to get that feeling of you know a bit of a community. So that started and then it expanded a bit to professional fireys and paramedics and our AAA operators. And then Rob and Ben come along and I, I kind of knew who they were, two coppers. And we'd become pretty close mates and we are sitting around one night and Rob's got a, an assistance dog through Assistance Dogs Australia, Jimmy, superstar. And I said, well, what, what do you reckon we register as a charity and we'll raise money for assistance dogs? So here's us three knucklehead coppers, all, all mentally injured. It sounds like a good idea. So we ended up doing it. No, no, no. So we registered as a charity, and 
yeah, it, it's just continued to grow and expand and but it's been fantastic. And again, the, the people that we've had contact with and the amount of people we'll be able to help. So we've sponsored a few assistance dogs, which is grouse. But then also we've expanded more, like we're, you know, we supply a lot of meals to members who are really struggling. Um, we're sending members away on respite weekends. Yeah. Um, we've put up some emergency accommodation. Getting the getting the lawns made because there's people with that severe anxiety can't even go outside. So the the lawns are going nuts, which causes more anxiety. So hey, hang on, we'll take care of this for you. So we've been able to do that. And then we're overt. We've got an overt Facebook page and Instagram and all the socials and that. But we've also got a covert group. And within there, we can mm-hmm. see like the, one of the best examples is is probably about 18 months ago now, and I still think back to this, and this is a real point of pride in that. One of the girls put up that she was really struggling. She has a psych appointment tomorrow. She's safe, which was great, but she's just really struggling. And then, no worries, yep, all right, message something, you put a post up. And then I wake up the next morning, there's like 200 comments where all these people, yeah, I'm having a bad night, we'll get through this together. And and then she posted the next night just saying, hey, I've just had a great session with the psych, really appreciate everyone last night, it was fantastic. And you could just see all these people who the vast majority don't know each other, but they're just Mm. brought together by the fact that they're a first responder and they all just helped each other. And I I sat back and going, how cool is that? That's so awesome. It's super you know cool. what? I can see why you yeah. have that element of pride because to create a community that it can be nothing more than a couple of words, you know, we've got this, mate, I, I get how you're feeling, reach out. It just creates a sense of security that exactly. people know they're not alone because, as you said, this was, you know, I know I was brought up in the era of you don't talk about that stuff. Like you kind of just... You know, I suck it up. I know to share a personal story, at the age of 15, um, I succumbed to attempted suicide and I lived in a, you know, regional location and it was all about, oh, we'll take you to the big smoke, we'll take you to Melbourne so you can hide away from what the community says and feels. And it's good to see that we're, we're dropping that because, you know, as a little bit more every yeah. single day because people just need to know that yes, other people absolutely. get it. I know with um, yeah. with some of um, the people that I've worked with, Code 9 has become their go-to. Yeah. So that organic peer-to-peer support that you just sort of kind of created, I know how valuable that is because they yeah. don't want to talk to therapists yeah. all the time or they don't want to burden their families yeah. and friends because they feel yeah. they're burning them out. And to just put a little message online saying I'm struggling and know that someone's listening and know that someone's going to write back can be that just that holding until the psych yeah. appointment. Absolutely. The and day. sorry, I'll just put in... What a fantastic, like, to come out of that severely dark period when you were, you know, such a young age to doing what you do now. So, again, it's just the, the positivity to come out of that event is just outrageously awesome. So, well done. And, and exactly, you know, like, the, the psych industry is critical. The first and foremost, if you are struggling, you have to be treated. Obviously, just putting a Band-Aid over it. But 
You know what? Sometimes yep. we just want to speak to someone of our own that gets it. And, you know, when you can sit down with someone, especially the people yep. that are newly diagnosed or they're struggling and they know they've got their first psych appointment coming up, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah, mate, that's normal. It's okay. It's okay to feel like that. Oh, you know, but I do this. Yeah, mate, we all do mm-hmm. it. You know, and we use a lot of black humor yep. amongst ourselves, yep. which is typically like <laughs> military yep. and things like that. We, we live on, we have to have black humor. So, but to have, Absolutely. you know, what you're just alluding to then, Tara, just to have someone who knows what you're going through in a little community, it is incredibly Absolutely. powerful. And yes, ha- go have your treatment. Again, reiterate, critical. Absolutely critical. But to have Absolutely. that person that knows exactly what you're going through, so powerful. And I think you're 100% correct because it's a bit like the work that Sarah and I do in sort of in the grief and loss is around if you can normalise the experience the fear of asking for help, the fear of, you know, going to an appointment with a psychologist or a psychiatrist and opening yourself up to strategies in how you can see some of those triggers is just so important. But it starts with that normalisation that, yeah, I get it. Because your loved ones are fix-its. They want to fix you. They want to help you. But someone you don't know is really helps in that process of I often say to people who are coming up to their first one or people who talk to me that are struggling a little bit, I say, okay, you need to book in to see a psych. And I say, right, the hardest thing you are going to do is pick up the phone to make that booking. The second hardest thing you're going to do is walk through that door for the first time then it gets easier. And the first time, I encourage you to the first time you see a psych, open up completely. I'm saying that knowing that you're probably not Mm -hmm. because you need to build a little bit of trust. But then when you pick up the phone or when you speak to the receptionist or the PA or whoever to make that next booking, it's just that little bit easier. And, And I said, look, I still have, I see my psych every three months, just for maintenance sake and mm-hmm. I mean to me it's like mm-hmm. going to the supermarket really I just walk in sit down and is there anything and like really I, I, um, I was medicated for I was unmedicated for about two years because I wanted to see how far I could take it and then I plateaued in Christmas 2015 and yeah. then I was medicated until mid 21 early 20 then I reduced and then I Dropped me meds in August last year altogether, and I was unmedicated. And I was going all right, but the last couple of months just been slowly sort of dropping down a little bit. So I, a couple of weeks back, I just rang me mm. psych and I said, hey, no, nah, I need them. So give me something mm. new. And that's how you've got to treat it. Like, yeah, it's anything, any other maintenance of the body. The mind is, is exactly. just another part Absolutely. of the body. And I think the way you look at medication is right. You know, I might be travelling fine and I'm off it, but if I see the slide, that's when I just, you know, take the right medication like you would with any other illness to to bounce you back to a state of well-being. It's just that normalisation of it too. Like, okay, I need meds. Okay. You know, people who've had heart surgery need blood thinners. What's the difference? Nothing. I know. Correct. Right. Uh, still, there's still a little stigma there that we, we are, we're chipping away at, Mark, isn't it? That's for sure. What have you seen in the force with the trauma? Yeah. I mean, you've been in it for a while now. Is it getting worse or are we just getting better at seeing the signs so we're picking it up? Getting better at seeing the signs, definitely. Like, we've come a long, long way in 26 years. A huge way. Yeah, like a few years ago, we had a mental health review that was 
started by former Chief Commissioner Graham Ashton, which was a fantastic initiative. Put a lot of things in the spotlight. We've got, you know, we've got our welfare unit. We've got a psych unit. We've got a lot more peer support officers that are trained. And there's just a, there's a lot more conversations going on. Do we got to get better? Absolutely. But you know, like we're very reflective as a society as a whole. So the whole of society needs to get better. And as you just alluded to, then we are getting better. It's just bit by bit by bit. And when I see, like I go back to like Tom Boyd, who Premiership player of the Western. Bulldogs on a million dollar contract and he just goes I'm retiring because yeah. this is no good for my mental health and I just thought that was brilliant mm-hmm. like here's this kid making this incredibly yeah. mature decision because it's not good for his health so when we see people a bit like even Ash Barty perfect you know, Ash Barty saying I've got nothing left in the tank yep. it's a really mature and, and rational decision Absolutely. that if I keep doing this this isn't going to be a, a healthy well-being thing for me to do Helga's oh, Ash she's just yeah. Oh, my no. She is outstanding. Yeah. Phenomenal. But even in her Perfect. decision to say, I know you all want me to continue, I'm just going, I'm out yeah. because I've got nothing yeah. in the tank. Is yeah. that, is that the it? self-care level is just elite and mm. good honour. Fantastic. Oh, no. So, But we're getting better. And look, I've heard stories that um, recruits after graduating are getting onto welfare straight away getting referred to a psychologist and going to a psych session and going, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just building a relationship. So inevitably down the track, Mm -hmm. if I do start to feel that something, some trauma incident or whatever is starting to get hold of me, I've already built the relationship with you, which I've looked at that and I've gone, what a great idea. What a great idea because you're building that resilience Mm -hmm. before you're going in crisis. Mm -hmm. So you're taking one of those that point when you're in crisis and you're trying to rationalise where to go next, well, you've already got someone you trust and someone you have a relationship with. So, you know, I think it's great. I know, like, my son, he's a a coach for for junior football. And so all the way from entry of junior football in AFL all the way through to the seniors, and he also plays VFL, is now about one of their training sessions every single month is around talking about mental agility and talking about mental welfare. And they share stories of everything that's going on in their lives. And I think it is tremendous. I think it is fantastic to see. And that's really important because, you know, as blokes, we don't do it well, traditionally. Yeah. We've been been very ordinary at it because, you know, we hunt, we make fire, we're tough, we don't cry, whatever. (laughs) At least, you know, for the, I don't want to generalise here, but females will get in groups and they will talk about their emotions and, you know, I'm really upset that this happened and that. Whereas, you know, us traditionally, us blokes will go pile into 15 beers and you know mm. and push it all downwards which well you go oh, it's just shit and oh. then you move on yeah so, and, and particularly sporting clubs like i've given a lot of talks like my journey to sporting clubs and the first few i thought this is going to be really interesting how they take this but there hasn't been a single one mm. where you know looking around the room they're all just fixated and they're taking it in and then the questions mm. being asked are good pointed questions and they want to learn and so these typically, you know, testosterone-driven rooms are really opening up to, mm. to mental health, which is, you know, which is just brilliant. Is that what you mean by, you know, as a speaker, you have the after the ice melts? Is that what yeah, you're talking about? What does that mean? So that basically goes, I went to Nepal to do the Annapurna circuit in 2012, undiagnosed, and... Mm-hmm. 
it didn't end well for me. So I had my first real <laughs> proper anxiety attack there, and I thought I was going to die. I'm thinking, you know, this is, it was a horrible, horrible experience. And Nepal held it, held, held it. How's my English going? Held some really bad memories for me. And like I got back and I was hospitalized a couple of months later. So I was at the tip of the edge, really. Yeah. And like I went back to Nepal. When I went there the first time, it was mm. just after the ice had melted. Well, a lot of it. And the rivers were raging. And then when I went back, so I went the first time in September. And then over the course of time, I sort of thought, you know what? I think I need to go back. I think I need to go back to finish what I set out to do because I didn't finish it. And, you know, it's a bit of a cliche to conquer the demons type thing. And then when I went back, it was just so much more peaceful. Mind you, I was diagnosed, treated, had practiced mindfulness and meditation for a few years and was very aware of my surroundings. And I finished. We got over the, the, the circuit. And it was just the most unbelievably brilliant experience. To me, Nepal is a very, very special place. And it was, it was just different after the... And I was just sort of sitting there and I was thinking, after ice melts, it's very different. It's very... It's kind of cryptic, I suppose. But it means so much to me because it was so different after the ice melts. So that's how I come up with my business name, which is a little bit different. Well, it's true about emotions, isn't it? It is. That, you know, after that numbness that you felt, you know, that, that coldness yeah. about being not able to connect with yourself and and the world around you after that melts comes this yeah. warm man who's giving back and sets up charity and then helps others i think it's a lovely metaphor for many things yeah absolutely i've got two photos that really represent it one was the first time i was there i was about three and a half thousand meters up in the hills brilliant sight and i've got my arms open and it was i asked for this person to take it and i've just mm-hmm. the the photo is just purely made for social media and there is yeah. just so much wrong about that. Like everything that's wrong in the world is, like social media is great. It's got its advantages, but also it's got its distinct disadvantages. And that being one of them. And then there's another photo taken around about the same place in Manang. I didn't know it was being taken. And it's just me with my hands in my pockets, standing up, just looking over the hills. And that... I remember standing there for a good 20 minutes just taking it in and I had no idea that this photo was taken. I've got them side by side just to go. Like the difference Mm. in these, like someone to the uninitiated, they'll look at these photos and go, they're pretty cool, but they'd have no idea of the meaning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, that's powerful, isn't it? Because there's one that's the show that we put on for the public. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me, hands out, I'm surviving, I'm conquering. Yeah, But the beauty is in the authentic one of you just yeah. sitting still with yourself yeah. in your own space, unaware that anyone's yeah. watching and not caring. Yeah, And I think that's uh, that's how social media should be, but it's not. Exactly. And it, like that one's my screensaver at work. So every, anytime I'm on the computer, it is there and I'm looking at it. And it's just, I, I just love the photo because it was, it remind, well, A, it reminds me of Nepal. And as I was saying, I'm, I'm very tightly knit to Nepal. But just yeah. the difference in person that I was between that previous one and this one. Yeah, and I think, you know, the really nice thing about that as well is that we spend so much of our lives trying to attain what we should look like and how yeah. we should behave and how, sh- how we should respond. But the truly memorable moments are those moments when we're just comfortable sitting in our own space. 
could not agree more. Mm. When you get to a space where you're really comfortable with yourself, like, I don't know, should I be wearing moccasins and tracksuit pants and a holy hoodie to the supermarket? Some people say, no, I don't care, I'm comfortable. And I'm comfortable yeah. with who mm. I am wearing that. So, you know, if people yeah. want to poke fun at me yeah. saying you should wear this, you should wear that, well, good luck to you. But I'm very comfortable mm. wearing what I do. So, Especially when you've, as you said, had a catastrophic loss of self. Yeah. Those things fade into the background. They, it, it, they become right. irrelevant to the important right. things, which is who am I and how do I maintain this being, this sense of who I am in a way that allows me to live a, a really beautiful and peaceful and productive life. Spot on. Yeah. I'm wondering Spot where on. you're going to take Code 9. Yeah. Where are you going to take it? What's uh, it? Look, we'll continue to do what we do. It's just any, basically any way where we can help members. You know, like the, the people on the committee are really cool. We're, we're all, well, the committee is either ill health retired members or they're still working. So we certainly don't go incredibly hard that we want to take the, over the world and we want to, you know, be the biggest charity in the history of charities. It's, it's just not the case because we, we're just, we're cruising along. We've got a really good base. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure yeah. when we do stuff, we do it right. Yeah, and, and just getting back and making sure because a lot of charities lose their way and they mm-hmm. go away from why they started and sell their souls to the devil, so to speak, to you know, make an yeah. extra X amount of money, which it's a charity. You, you've don't forget where you come from. So, yeah, yeah and w- we've got a couple of things coming up that are sort of in the production kind of thing, which I can't really talk about at the moment because it's a little bit hush. Secret, um, secret, <laughs> secret stuff. But we're you know, pretty excited about what they are going to be. But again, we'll just sit there. We have get-togethers. You know, we have our formal committee meetings and things like that. But then we've got a Facebook page, well, a group, private group where we just throw ideas up what do you reckon about this so we so we don't have to continually on the phone or doing zooms and things like that we'll we'll just continually discuss stuff here there we'll continue to sponsor assistance dogs because they genuinely save lives and and that well you can't put a price on that so like i've been in the presence of a couple of mates who have got ada dogs and i remember one day rob was triggered and I was about to go, just put my hand on his shoulder, say, it's all right, mate, you're safe. You know, it was, oh, yeah, it's not my job. That's Jimmy. So I see the dog go to work on Rob, and it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. So Jimmy's got his own Facebook page, Jimmy PTSD and me, Jimmy the dog. <laughs> Jimmy the and dog. And Rob likes photos. So I'm sitting there, like one of my close mates is wigging out, and I'm taking photos of him. Felt a little bit weird, but that's what he likes. Because but like when you see Jimmy put his paws on Rob's legs and just stare into his eyes and going, oh, yeah, you're struggling here a little bit. Then he puts his paws on Rob's shoulders and starts rubbing his head. He's sitting there shaking your head, just completely mind-blowing. Yeah, so, amazing. you know, so yeah. to be able to sponsor assistance dogs with, is is awesome. We're the vehicle that does that. It's the people who donate to us. They're the real heroes in this. So we're just the sort of the middle person. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, you know, like we run a, every November, we run a triple A to 9,000 steps campaign. So we're just encouraging people to get 9,000 steps a day. Look, if you can't do it, it's all right. Yeah. But let's just try and get active. Yeah. We had one particular person who was struggling to do sort of like five to 600 or something a day. But by the end of the month, they were doing like five and a half to 6,000. And had lost five or six kilos and had felt motivated for the first time in a decade. And we're sitting there going, yes, how good is this? So it's it's just putting these programs it's out. It's a sense of belonging, isn't it? Oh, and, and just a, 
Like, success to me is not someone who runs marathons doing 9,000 steps a day. Okay, cool. Do it. That's great. It's great for your health. Perfect. No disrespect. But when you see someone who really struggles and you're being able to do something to help motivate that person, just get off the couch to, you know, to walk down to the shops and back, which might be, you know, like 500 metres and they haven't done that for years. That's just such an unbelievable win. Huge success. And I think you're 100% correct is that, as you said, you're not looking to be the biggest and the greatest, but what you have been successfully able to create is a sense of camaraderie Mm. and support that's flexible. And it's, you know, being able to adjust to what people need. And it's not distracting at all from what the experts in certain areas, such as psychologists and psychiatrists and other therapy areas, but you've recognised that the best thing is you've got to get your mates who get you, who understand you, who have walked in your shoes be there without being asked. And you've created that through your private group. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's worked a treat. I never would have dreamt it got this big when I was sitting in the hospital room dreaming up a little support group, that's for sure. No. Oh, absolutely not. And I think that it's why Code 9 and everything that you've created with all these amazing people, but also the donors as well, yeah. is that you've created something that isn't overcomplicated but it's that you've really listened and you've taken on board your own learnings and not tried to impart them to everyone else. You've just said, hey, this worked for me, but let's yeah. share all the other stories. Yeah. It's, it's the KISS principles. Just keep it simple, stupid. And we call each other stupid yeah. so we can say KISS. That works. Yeah, <laughs> all <right>. awesome. <laughs> but you're also, I think what you've created is that you can see in spades how authentic this is. And as you said, a lot of not-for-profit space sometimes lose their purpose. And your purpose hasn't waned at all, regardless Mm. of the size. So that's a credit to you and everyone um, that support you in Code 9. Yeah, appreciate the words. Do you have a lot of support from the force? No, none, and don't want any. And I say that with respect because we are set up separate to the agencies. So we need to keep a buffer zone between us and the agencies. So that's, although, look, saying that though, we would be like Ambulance Victoria have raised some money for us in the past. Incredibly grateful, unbelievably Mm -hmm. grateful. Like their CEO, Tony Walker, is just an amazing, amazing person. We would probably work with them for something with, with any of the agencies. But yep. as far as being formally aligned, no. So we need, we, we just need to have that buffer zone in between. Yeah, absolutely. The website's very easy to use too because I've been yeah, on yeah, it yeah. a few times looking through and it's a really well-designed site. It's very easy for people who are traumatised. I think sometimes when we're designing these spaces for people who are struggling, they become very yeah. complicated. And as you said, you couldn't even choose yeah. not to have lunch. Yeah. So I think the website itself for any of our listeners who are in the first responders and want to maybe touch base and have a little look it's it isn't a confronting hard website to navigate it's very yeah, user friendly that was um rob's wife christy from artful she designed that and, and that's I, I look i agree wholeheartedly like yeah. when she sent me before it was live i'm just going through it i'm going how easy is this all the information that we want 
very simple. Yeah. Yeah. But really well. So important yeah. because we forget, and I think that's why what you said at the beginning is really important, when we like that, simple decisions yeah. are, are mountains to climb. And so seeking help isn't just making the phone call, it's going on to say for Code 9. And it, it has to yeah. be an easy, simple process, otherwise people just yeah. give up, it's too hard. So yeah. highly commend that anyone of our listeners... Just go and look at it anyway and have a, you know, browse around at, at what it does and what it represents because it's a, it's a really beautiful idea. Yeah, And, absolutely. you know, I think more ideas like that would help out there in the community. And more will come. Absolutely. The more we knock out stigma and the more we knock out and get more education out there. It's it, Look, it's an exciting time in the mental health space yeah. because there are, there, it is starting to absolutely. really come out now, which is awesome and I, I, I love seeing it. Yeah. Oh, Mark, you're right. When I started 20-odd years ago, you know, people didn't yeah. even mention they were going right. to a psychologist. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I saw clients, yeah. they paid cash, <laughs> they didn't want any record anywhere, and it was very <laughs> quiet. So yeah. it's 20 years, the evolution of it now is just outrageous. It's yeah. just a whole new industry. And I'm so glad that we have people like yourself and your charity in that industry who are doing just as an important job as everyone else. Yeah, 100%. And we'd really like to keep abreast of, you know, all your uh, sex squirrel stuff and your <laughs> ideas and, you know, anything we can do to help elevate that, yeah. connect, um, but also share yeah. your stories. Yeah, keep, and it launches, let us know. We'll do. And we'll share it with all of our listeners. Awesome. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your words. And this is, I've said it before in that, you know, like I can scream from my rooftop till I'm, you know, blue in the face. But then when you get people like yourself on, on your show who give me a platform to talk about it and spread mm. some knowledge, what I've been through and what my thoughts are and the education that comes out of it, you know, the platform just radiates that out further. So, yeah, I really am yeah, grateful for your time and um, inviting me onto your Absolutely. show. Absolutely. One person listens, it's great. That's right. right. If, if one can... person listens and goes, I'm going on code nine and gets help, exactly. then our job is done. Yeah. That's right. And that's what, whenever I present about it, I've got a few coming up with work, three in the next two weeks. I always just aim to influence one person. And if there's 10 people in a room or 200 people in the room, it, just one person. I just want to influence one person to yeah. sort of look in the mirror and ask how they're going, ask themselves how they're traveling and then beauty, job's done. That's a win. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well absolutely. Well, thank you, yeah, Mark. Thanks, Mark. That's been Pleasure. fantastic. We've really enjoyed it. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Oh, look, anytime. We'll pleasure. definitely do it again. Absolutely. We'll definitely do it again. Just let me know. And yeah. best of luck with Code 9. Thank you. Yeah. See you soon. See ya. Today's podcast was edited by Bella Hayward from the D Word Podcast. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to the Aware Podcast, and we really hope you enjoyed our guest's insight and a little quiz at the end just for a bit of fun. Music for the Aware Podcast is by Tape Machine featuring LFA. The song title is This Is Who I Am. If you would like to be a guest or contact us regarding the Aware platform, please email awarearcgroup at gmail.com. That's awarearcgroup at gmail.com. We are Nikki Mackey and Sarah Godfrey. See you next time.